Welcome to the Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Cookie Monster. Okie dokie. I'm your sidekick host, Brandon. Cookie Monster, also known as Nick Amell. This is the show where one of us bring a top 10-ish list on anything and everything, and the other tries to guess, along with you, the listener at home. Right. You ready to do one this week? Nah. No? Let's call it a day. Call it a day. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. Well, I did a whole bunch of notes and shit, so we got to do something. Ah, damn. All right. Well, I brought the list today, as I mentioned, did a bunch of notes. Today, we're going to be talking about the highest grossing films of the 2000s. Hmm. Okay. So 2000 to 2009, these are the highest grossing films worldwide. We're going to talk about the top 10 of them. I mean, I think that pretty much says it all. I'm going to let you... Okay, worldwide? Worldwide. At the lowest one on this, number 10, made $919 million worldwide. And I'm assuming they're not adjusted for inflation? I guess it doesn't matter since they're all no, from the same pretty decade. Close. I do know an update on number one adjusted for inflation. So I know that there is like a small amount, but yeah, it's, it's still... These are still good dollars. We can talk about these dollars. Pretty sure I know what number one is, but I will save it. Because that's how I roll. Okay. The highest grossing movies that came out between January 1, 2000 and December 31, 2009. My first guess, hmm, well, let me think this through for just a minute. Mm -hmm. My first guess is going to be one of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, you're going to have to be more specific because there are two pirate movies. So, let's see. There was the first one. There was Dead Man's Chest. The first one was Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay. The second one was Dead Man's Chest, and the third one was At World's End. And there was a fourth one, I believe, too. Might have come out after 2010. It was the one with, I think, Selma Hayek. I didn't see it. I'm going to say that Dead Man's Chest is number six. Dead Man's Chest is on the list, but it is number three. I knew it. Grossed more than a billion dollars worldwide. And it is the highest pirate movie on this list. Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest is a 2006 American fantasy swashbuckler film. Huh? You could file this under the swashbuckler category. What the hell's that? You got a swash and it won't stay closed. You buckle it and then you're a swashbuckler. I've never heard that word in my life. The last episode, you couldn't pronounce a shitload of common words. Now you're telling me you've never heard the word swashbuckler when referring to like pirates and sword play and shit in movies. Never heard the word swashbuckler, and I bet if I ran a poll... Swash. No, you run that poll. poll. Everybody has heard of the word swashbuckler but you. (laughs) No, they haven't. Run that fucking poll, because everybody knows that word. Well, it's a fucking swashbuckler, and you ought to get up to speed on all your swashbuckler films. It's the second installment in the Pirates of the Caribbean film series, and the sequel to Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which came out in 2003. I saw this, I think, when it came out, but I haven't seen it. Like since then, so I I had to refresh myself with the plot. In the film, the wedding of Will Turner, played by Orlando Bloom, and Elizabeth Swan, played by Kiera Knightley, is interrupted by Lord Cutler Beckett. He is like a British dude. I think he works for the East India Trading Company. And he wants... White wig, right? Yeah. He wants uh, Will Turner, Orlando Bloom, to acquire the compass of Captain Jack Sparrow, played by Johnny Depp, in a bid to find the dead man's chest. And then Jack Sparrow discovers his debt to Davy Jones, played by Bill Nighy, is due. Yeah. And Bill Nighy's Davy Jones, he has a squid face, like his mustache 
with squid legs and the rest of his face was squiddish. What the hell is that shit? Like, why? Because he's cursed and he's from the sea. Okay, well, fish are in the sea too and they don't have squid faces. Well, it's also a fucking silly movie. (laughs) He is the tyrannical captain of the Flying Dutchman, based on the ghost ship of the same name. And he's the dark lord of the seven seas and the arch enemy of Captain Jack Sparrow. And he commands the Kraken in the movie. Yeah. Kraken comes up, it's got a beak and tentacles. And that's it. Are these movies good? Like, I don't remember. Like, I think I liked them when I saw them, but looking back, they kind of seem dumb. (laughs) Well, a lot of, I mean... For its time, I guess. Yeah. They're fine to go see with, like, some kids or if there's nothing else to see good, like, one time. Watch it one time and you've you've done enough. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Well, I believe Johnny Depp said he'd play Jack Sparrow as many times as they wanted because he loved being him so much. Well... I don't see the, any new pirate movies coming out, so yeah, too bad. Someday, someday. By the way, where the hell are Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley? I don't know. I haven't. See, I was thinking about that. I haven't heard tell of them in uh, in years. Orlando Bloom. I don't think I've. I haven't seen him in fucking anything in like ten years or more. I don't. Maybe know. he's dead. Maybe he's dead. Listener of the show. Well, not if he's dead. No, he's still listening. They put headphones in there. Uh, was that it for Pirates of the Caribbean? Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. You know, the first movie, Curse of the Black Pearl, I don't like when first movies have a subtitle like that. That's just me. I think they'd probably already plan, like, we're just going to make a shitload of these. (laughs) I don't doubt it, but anyway. Okay, so... Orlando Bloom is with Katy Perry. What? Yeah, she gave birth to their daughter uh, last August. So that's what he's, he's up to. He's up to... He's up to Katy Perry. His mind probably broke yeah. not long into that relationship, so he's probably not capable of feeding himself or acting. Well, then why don't I give you another guess, which is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Right. Now that's... At number eight. No, it's number six. It's the other pirate movie on the list. It made $960 million. Big whoop. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, number six on our list is a 2007 American epic fantasy swashbuckler film Mm-mm. directed by Gore Verbinski. It's the third installment in the Pirates of the Caribbean film series and the sequel to Dead Man's Chest. So this time you got Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley and I think Jeffrey Rush and then the crew of the Black Pearl are all trying to rescue Captain Jack Sparrow from Davy Jones's locker. Now I didn't see this so I have no fucking clue. I'm assuming it's underwater. And then they prepare to fight the East India Trading Company, which is hilarious. This, like, the biggest company (laughs) that's owned the most of the world in history. Uh, They're going to fight it with their pirate ships. Well. Yeah. uh, But they're they're going up against that same dude, Cutler Beckett, the, like, British dude with the wig. He now, in this movie, he controls Davy Jones and I guess also the Kraken. And he plans to extinguish piracy forever. That's not a, such a bad thing, though. <laughs> Pirates are the bad guys. You got to remember. These movies sort of gloss over the part of piracy that involves all the murder and rape. Yeah. They just kind of make it cute. This one had a production budget of nearly $300 million. And at the time of, the pro- time of its production, it was the most expensive film ever made. It's got to still be up there. It's so worth it. And this one also, I'm sure people have heard before that Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow is based on Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. And this one stars 
or features Keith Richards as Captain Jack Sparrow's father, Edward Teague, who is the pirate lord of Madagascar, keeper of the Parata Codex for the Brethren uh-huh. Court, and Jack Sparrow's father. Sure. Now, is, is Keith Richards, he's a smoshbuggler too, or whatever? Swash, swashbangler? Yeah, there are both a couple swashbanglers. Well, listen, the British people who are uh, portrayed as the bad guys in this movie, even though, well, I mean, I'm sure they were bad guys, but between the two, I'd take them over the pirates. Is it true that the, the white wig trend of the day was for fashion, not because they were like balding? I'm sure it was. I have no, I, I don't really know. Stupid. Yeah, looks stupid. You guys all looked fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, just saying. Fucking bell bottoms. We can agree on that. Bell bottoms of the 18th century. <laughs> okay. I'm done talking pirates, are you? Yeah, there's no more pirate movies on here. Yeah. Then I'm going to guess Harry Potter. Well, fuck, wait, when did... Uh... So the first Harry Potter was 01, I think. Mm-hmm. Deathly Hallows came out in the 10s, right? Mm-hmm. Probably. Okay. Well, I'm going to guess a Harry Potter movie is in here, but I'm not positive which Well, there one. are three Harry Potter movies in here. Okay, so, gonna... so then I'll say uh, the uh, Prisoner of Ax- Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban is not in the top 10. That one is one of my favorites, maybe my second favorite, but it's not in the top 10. What's the other? So there's Chamber of Secrets. I, may, I, okay, I don't think it's on here, no. but maybe Chamber, Chamber of, Secrets? of Secrets wasn't in the top 10. That's the first one, right? No, that's the second one. Oh, then what's the first one? Well, I can't tell you the name of it because it's... Oh, the, the, so, the Sorcerer's Stone. Right. Or to our international listeners, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is number five on the list. And it grossed $974 million. A dumb name change. Well, just keep it one. <laughs> it, it was changed to Sorcerer's Stone for fucking stupid American audience who don't know what a philosopher is. Well, I'm agreeing. As I'm we saying, found yeah. out uh, in our last episode. Now, we don't know anything about that, so we had to call it Sorcerer's Stone. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is a 2001 fantasy film directed by Chris Columbus. It's based on J.K. Rowling's 1997 novel of the same name. So within just four years, this novel was so damn big that they'd already had a huge movie come out with it, uh, come out uh, based on it. It's the first installment of the Harry Potter film series. This one stars, well, they all star Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, and Emma Watson as Hermione. It follows Harry's first year at Hogwarts Hogwarts School of Rich, which, god damn, that's hard to say. It follows Harry's first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry as he discovers that he is a famous wizard and begins his formal wizarding education. Now, I thought this one was the most kind of, I mean, it's his first year at Hogwarts, so he's the youngest he's going to be. And the movies kind of grow with the characters, so I thought this one was the most childlike of all the Harry Potter yeah, movies. it was. It kind of turned me off. From seeing the others for a while. I did not see a Harry Potter movie for a long, long time. Same. Not because I was like, I hated them. I just didn't. I was like, I was out of the age group for it. In fact, I was in college when it came out and I remember going to the theater and seeing these huge lines and asking like, what are all these people here to see? And it was Harry Potter. And I was like, what the fuck is Harry Potter? And why are all these college age people here to see it? And I... Uh, they obviously had read it. And I didn't realize at the time, too, that, you know, adults could probably enjoy those books, too. You really hadn't even heard of it before the movie? I think I was aware of the book, but I didn't realize, like, it was a huge deal. 
And I definitely didn't yeah. think that like people in my age group would be going to see it. Now, mostly like kids and their parents, I think probably went to see it. But yeah, there was, you know, a bunch of young 20-somethings lined up at the theater. So, everyone listening, if you enjoyed Harry Potter as an adult, Brandon is looking down on you, no, just for the record. That's the opposite of what I just said. Well, that's the takeaway. I'm... I said a lot of people enjoy the books and movies as adults. Steven Spielberg was initially negotiated to direct uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, but he declined the offer. He wanted the adaptation to be an animated film with the American actor Haley Joel Osment to provide Harry Potter's voice. <laughs> okay, dumbass. Yeah. Instead, he did the movie <laughs> AI, Artificial Intelligence with Haley Joel Osment. Oh, yeah. Great call. That movie did so much better than Harry Potter. But Harry Potter, I got to give big ups to John Williams' score for the movie. I think like a big part of Harry Potter in that universe is recreating from the books a very, very specific set and tone and mm-hmm. feeling. When you watch all those movies, you get it. Like you get the, the brand, right? Mm-hmm of Harry Potter or Hogwarts and this magic shit. And his music, I think, is a huge part of that. Well, it's the type of music where if you hear it, even if you're like not, even if you probably, even if you haven't seen the movies, you hear the music and you know it's Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hedwig's theme, I think, is the main theme that people recognize. Mm -hmm. Alan Rickman was handpicked to play Snape by J.K. Rowling. And he received some special instructions from her about the character. She provided him vital details of Snape's backstory that weren't even revealed until the final novel. Alan Rickman is my favorite part of the whole Harry Potter series, too. Love me some Rickman. All of the food. Now, you remember in the Great Hall, they have like all the, you know, magically all this crazy, awesome feast appears. Mm Mm-hmm. All of the food in that scene is real. Chris Columbus wanted a very elaborate welcome feast to match the same description in the book with like roast beef, ham, turkey, all the trimmings, all that shit on the table. But they were filming under his hot stage lights for hours at a time and the food <laughs> quickly began to develop an unpleasant odor despite the meat hmm. being changed every two days. Every two days. <laughs> that seems like not enough time to be changing meat and vegetables, no. vegetables twice a day. I think don't you think meat would stink sooner than vegetables? Uh, I guess it ha- depends on how it's cooked. I don't know, but two days is definitely not enough Swap the changing meat. of that. Yeah. For the following films, uh, samples of real food were frozen, and then they made molds of them and then co- cast copies in resin. So they Why not just do that from the beginning? That seems like so much more efficient. I had to make a stinky mistake first. Yeah. And something I... Uh, had forgotten or didn't realize about the first Harry Potter movie is it has a few uh, British curse words. Uh, It has the word bloody in the movie six times, along with one arse, one bugger, and two blasteds. Bugger's a curse word, huh? Yeah, bugger means like, fuck. Fuck that. Anyway, that's why it got a PG rating. (laughs) Okay. And in in, uh, the United Kingdom, it was rated X. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, there you go. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Well, there's two more Harry Potters, so let's get them out of the way. Okay. I got to... Okay, so there's Chamber of Secrets. There's the Half-Blood Prince. That came out in 2010s. The Half-Blood... No, the Half-Blood Prince is on this list. It's... uh, I think it might be... Number nine. I think it might be my favorite Harry Potter film. And Half-Blood Prince is number eight on the list. Gross $929 million. When it came out in 2009... It is a fantasy film directed by David Yates. 
This story follows Harry's sixth year at Hogwarts as he receives a mysterious textbook, falls in love, and attempts to retrieve a memory that holds the key to Lord Voldemort's downfall. Yeah, this is probably my favorite in terms of like the set design and the cinematography and the performances. Cinematography is so good on this movie. It was the only Harry Potter movie to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Cinematography. Huh, okay. And I also like that this one ends on like a darker note with like, you know, even more, every one of them seems to like open up more mystery, but this one opens up the most mystery. I don't think I saw it. Um, yeah, it's good. It's one, I think it's my favorite one. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, it's not his favorite one. He said he wasn't a fan of his performance in this Harry Potter film. He said it was hard to watch. And he also revealed that he was struggling with alcohol at the time of filming. And he can tell in certain scenes that he was intoxicated. How old is he here, you think? I don't know. I'll need a, one second. Let me look. So it came out in 2009, probably filmed in 2000. So he's around my age, I think. So he would have been like 20. Yeah, he was a young, young guy. Definitely like, I mean, thrown into fame and all that crap. The most popular movie franchise of the 2000s. That's what I was thinking because when he and the other two main cast members were cast, they were like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Mm -hmm. To sign up for that and then realize like my future is set from age 11 on through the rest of my life. And like everybody knew these movies were going to be huge even before the first one. And it's I don't know. It's just got to be a weird feeling to like set yourself up like that. Yeah. Now it seems like he does like, he seems like he's a pretty cool, he pretty cool guy now. He picks interesting things he doesn't like. Yeah. He was in um, the film adaptation for Horns, the Joe Hill book. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a Joe Hill book. Yeah. The movie was like, okay, but the book's really good. Anyway, it's just, it was a strange role for him to take. And I remember he also played the uh, human Swiss army knife. Yeah. He played it just, character. he just played, yeah, a corpse. Um, Swiss yeah, Army so, Man. That's cool. Yeah, he, he picks uh, interesting things. He's probably pretty well set for life, money-wise. J.K. Rowling read through the script for The Half-Blood Prince and found a line where Dumbledore mentions a girl that he had a crush on when he was younger. After reading it, J.K. Rowling informed the filmmakers that Dumbledore is in fact gay and that his only romantic infatuation was with the wizard Grindelwald, whom he later had to defeat in a wizard, uh, wizard duel. Oh, baby. And she later made that information public while promoting the final book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. So yeah, a few, I guess you may remember sometime around 2009, a bunch of people getting their panties in a twist because Dumbledore uh-huh. was gay. It's not like he starts, he doesn't suck any dicks in the movies. He's just an <laughs> old wizard guy. <laughs> we can't have those gay thoughts entering the minds of America's youth, yeah. Brandon. I remember... So this is like not super related, but it reminds me, it's someone in my extended family when the new Frozen, came, Frozen movies came out, they said, I will never let my daughter see those because they're lesbians. They are? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, maybe. Or, well, they think Elsa is a lesbian. The only reason they think that is because people started saying that because she doesn't have like a, a romantic oh my relationship God. in How, either movie. So it's homophobic, yeah. sexist, and misogynist. Yes, it's just a triple whammy. He's just fucking so stupid. Anyway. Yeah, good times. That's Frozen. Hey, it's time for an ad break. This is Brandon, and I've got a call to action for you. An engagement opportunity. I want you to reach into your pocket right now. Hey, not you, creep. Pull out all the coins you got in there. Take those coins, pile them up. Guess what? You've got enough to cover your new Tennis Pod Plus membership. 
Brings me to my next call to action. Take your phone right now. Go to tennispod.com slash plus. There you'll find information on joining your fellow Tennis Pod listeners as members of Tennis Pod Plus. What is Tennis Pod Plus, you're asking? Why have I said it so many times? Well, Tennis Pod Plus is our new branding for our Patreon. It's where you're going to find dozens of exclusive bonus episodes like our top 10 most popular soft drinks, a deep dive into QAnon, Nick quizzing me on my Star Wars knowledge, and many more. Plus, you're going to get early access to main episodes like the one you're listening to right now. It gets even better because members are skipping this ad right now. They don't even hear it. In fact, members skip all ads on all episodes. There's more benefits available too, like free merch and swag throughout the year, and custom advertising options for small business owners. Signing up is super easy. You just go to tennispod.com plus. Within a minute or two, you'll be signed up for as little as $2 per month. That's tennispod.com slash P-L-U-S. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can sign up with just one click from our Apple Podcast page. So what are you waiting for? All that shit's coming straight at you. All you got to do is go to tennispod.com slash plus and sign up. So there's one more Harry Potter here, and it's actually my least favorite Harry Potter movie. Your least favorite. Mm-hmm. I remember all these names. Harry Potter and the... Something about a phoenix, right? Yeah, the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, that. Those are the wizards. They're like Dumbledore's wizard bros who uh, are going to band together and fight Voldemort. Yeah. And they're all gay too, right? <laughs> I guess they've got to be. Number seven on the list, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It grossed $938 million. Like I said, it's one of my least favorite. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not as, it's just not as good as the other ones to me. Uh, it's a 2007 fantasy film, again directed by David Yates, the fifth installment of the Harry Potter film series. Now, this one follows Harry's fifth year at Hogwarts, and the Ministry of Magic is in denial about the return of Lord Voldemort, which is like, that's the whole movie, is like trying to get the Ministry of Magic and a bunch of fucking bureaucratic awful dickheads that work in it to just admit that like Voldemort is back and we should probably do something about that. Seems a little uh, similar to American politics these days where people are in denial at the highest level. Like I said, not my favorite Harry Potter movie, but still made almost a billion dollars. It's number seven on the list. Yeah. One movie made a billion dollars and there's what, eight or nine movies? That's just the movies. That's not including the books, the toys, the, the amusement ride parks, the shirts. It's just crazy. I don't have anything against Harry Potter, but I've just never been like a super fan or like in love with it. I didn't like enjoy them and, and watch all of the movies until uh, my eight-year-old wanted to watch all of them. So I watched them with him and was like, oh yeah, I get it. This is fun. They have a very like, mm-hmm. like I said, I really like worlds where it is gay. Yeah, where it is an immersive world, like Star Wars, very immersive world, Lord of the Rings, I know they have their own very immersive world, and Harry Potter, same thing. Yeah, and the Pornhub video of the day typically is very immersive as well. I did want to mention, quick plug, that I was recent, this is timely, this episode, because I was recently a guest on the Link podcast on the, uh, let's see, September 6th, episode 29. I was a guest, and I guessed the top 10 highest opening weekends ever at the box office. Mm -hmm. And we did talk Harry Potter in that episode too. So, I hope you check it out. It's The Link Podcast, episode 29. So, we've got 
five or six of the movies down already, and it's all two franchises. So why don't I step outside of those franchises and <laughs> guess The Dark Knight? I was going to say, it's time to move into some other franchises. Yeah. Yeah, The Dark Knight is on the list. The Dark Knight is number four. I knew it. It grossed more than a billion dollars worldwide. One billion, $1.9 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight is a 2008 superhero film directed, produced, and co-written by Christopher Nolan. In this movie, Bruce Wayne slash Batman, Police Lieutenant James Gordon, and District Attorney Harvey Dent form an alliance to dismantle organized crime in Gotham, Gotham City. They are menaced by an anarchistic mastermind known as the Joker who seeks to undermine Batman's influence and throw the city into anarchy. Yep, Heath Ledger. The best Joker ever. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, well, let's see. I think he is, it's the best performance. My favorite Joker, though, is Jack Nicholson's just because that's what like, I grew up with and always makes me laugh. But yeah, uh, Heath Ledger's performance overall is much more unsettling, sticks with you a lot longer. And then it was like imitated and copycatted to the point where like he definitely defined it. It's considered one of the best films of its decade and one of the greatest and most influential superhero films of all time. It received critical acclaim for its screenplay, visual effects, musical score, mature themes, performances, particularly Heath Ledger's, cinematography, action, and direction. And but I actually saw The Dark Knight on the day I got uh, legally married. We, my wife and I did, uh, got married like a destination. Uh, but we got legally married here first, so we didn't, ha- didn't want to mess with, like, we didn't trust the Bahamians with our paperwork. Yeah. Well, and to be clear, is this your third or fourth this marriage was, yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, just the first. Oh. So, we had, like, a small, like, legal thing just so we get the paperwork, and then we went to, like, lunch, and then we went, uh, got in line for the opening day of the dark night. I could think of worse ways to spend a wedding evening. You know me, and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know me that I am not the biggest superhero film fan there is. I just stopped seeing all the Marvel movies altogether because I got so sick of the formula. That said, I say that to say that The Dark Knight is not only one of my favorite superhero movies ever, it's one of my favorite movies of any kind ever. And when you were reading the description, you mentioned uh, Harvey Dent, who becomes, I guess, spoiler, Mm Two-Face in the movie, right? And I had to think, it got me thinking, like, that movie would have been better if they just kept that shit out of it and just stuck with the Joker. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The Harvey Dent stuff. I don't mind a Harvey Dent being in the movie because that is an important part of, like, forming an alliance to take down organized crime. You'd have to have the support of the district attorney. I get that. But then trying to also squeeze in the Two-Face thing. Right at the end, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. It doesn't ruin the movie or anything like that. But... No, I think it could have been better without it. January 22nd, 2008, after he completed filming The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger died of an accidental prescription over drug overdose. Yeah. Bad times. Who knows if this is true, but like all the rumors say that his deep method acting, getting into the Joker character, helped lead to his demise. Now, that probably just sounds like a cool story to say. Who knows? But that's what people say. His family refuted that. They said he, after he filmed the movie, he was in a great mood. He was doing really well. But it didn't help because right after it happened, somebody shoved, you know, like when somebody dies, a celebrity dies, paparazzi or other like quote unquote journalists and stuff will like very quickly ask, 
another actor who has fucking nothing to do with that other person, like what they think about it just to get, you know, a soundbite. Yeah. And they did that to Jack Nicholson. Oh God. And his response, (laughs) I think spurred or gave credence to those rumors because they said, Heath Ledger died after, you know, performing the Joker. Uh, what do you think? And he, and he said, I warned him. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it sound like he warned him, you know, don't get too deep into the head of the Joker. You'll go crazy. But I also know enough about Jack Nicholson to know that, like, at no point was he ever concerned he would go too deep into the Joker. I think he had a really good time playing it, and I don't think he fucking sweated it one minute. But I do think it helps the legend of the movie mm-hmm. to think like the Joker was so dark it drove these men to madness, but not quite. And my last note on the Dark Knight. If any, hang on, sorry, just to wrap a bow on this point, I think if any Joker portrayal would have driven any person to true darkness, it would have been Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Because that's like the darkest shit you'll ever see. Yeah, he, I mean, except for the part where he paints his face at the end and calls himself Joker, it's really just a movie about a guy with mental health issues <laughs> having a yeah. breakdown and becoming violent. Yeah. The infamous growl performed by Christian Bale was much rougher in this movie than Batman Begins and has been parodied countless times due to its extreme nature. Like when he says, where are the detonators? <laughs> where are they? Yes. However, common misconception is that Christian Bale was fully responsible for that voice. The real voice during filming was more toned down, like in Batman Begins and then heightened to a rougher, grittier vibe during post-production under the decision of Christopher Nolan. Well, what a dumb decision that was. I don't like, I don't care for it. It ruins good scenes, that voice. My favorite uh, Batman voice from live action, or uh, maybe it's not my favorite, but I really liked what they did with um, the Ben Affleck Batman. He, on his throat, he had this like little vocoder thing so when he talked it distorted his voice and made it sound you know scarier and deeper would you just get off ben affleck's deck for even one minute i'm not saying that like ben affleck fucking brought that thing to the set and was like hey (laughs) this would be awesome (laughs) guys it was someone else's decision and someone in sound design who made it but yeah i like that to bring that thing into the set he would have had to take his hand off of jlo's ass long enough to grab it he, his hand wasn't anywhere near his, her ass at that time. Not that we know of. I think it's perpetually on her ass. Okay. Well, are you ready for another guess? Mm-hmm. Let's think of the big franchises of the day. Lord of the Rings and the, the last Lord of the Rings. The last Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Number 10. No, it's number two. Oh, God. The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, grossed 1.1 billion dollars is number two on the list the return of the king is a 2003 epic fantasy adventure film directed by peter jackson based on the third volume J.R.R. tolkien's tolkien's i can't say that right the lord of the rings the film is the final installment in the lord of the rings trilogy it is the movie that will not fucking end it has like nine endings continuing the plot of the two towers frodo sam and Gollum making their final way toward Mount Doom in Mordor in order to destroy the One Ring, and they are unaware of Gollum's true intentions. While Gandalf, Aragorn, and Legolas, and Gimli, a bunch of fucking crazy-ass names, and the rest are joining forces together against Sauron and his legions in Minas Tirith. 
Well, I mean, look, I know people adore these movies, but if, if you don't know anything about them like me, then when you just hear all this shit, it just sounds so stupid. Sounds like dorky shit. It's widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. It received numerous accolades, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, it won all 11 awards for which it was nominated, including Best Director and Best Visual Effects. It remains the most Academy Awards won by a single film, and it is the current record for the highest clean sweep at the Oscars. Also became the second sequel to win Best Picture, the first being Godfather Part Two. And it's the second film series whose installments have all won Best Visual Effects after the original Star Wars trilogy. I did not realize it had won so many awards like that. I remember seeing that one at the theater. That one came out, I was, yeah, still in college. And I was drunk when I went into the movie Mm. and had time to sober up by the time I came out because it was fucking three hours long. Listen, everyone I knew was fucking had the hugest fucking chubby for Lord of the Rings when I was that age. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. It's just like superhero and Star Wars and Harry Potter. I guess like all these like fantastical sorts of films are not my bag because I'm not in love with any of them. But I did see the first Lord of the Rings and the second Lord of the Rings literally fell asleep in and I never fall asleep in movies. I don't think I ever saw the third one because of that. So there you go. Come at me, Lord of the Ring heads. It's really long. Well, there you go. Return of the King, number two. Return of Nick guessing more on the list. So I'm going to guess number one now, and I realize now that I believe it came out December 09. So because of that, I wonder if it won't make the list because, you know, it might have made all of its box office in like January, for example, of 2010. It's when they were so, released, so spit it out. Okay, Avatar. It is Avatar. Avatar is number one on the list. Knew it. Now, number two on the list made $1.1 billion worldwide. Number one on the list, Avatar made $2.7 billion worldwide. Ridiculous. I am befuddled by Avatar. We'll get a little bit into that. It's a 2009 American epic science fiction film directed, written, produced, and co-edited by James Cameron. It stars Sam Worthington, who I haven't seen in fucking shit since that. Zoe Saldana, who is super successful now. Stephen Lang. Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver. The film is set in the mid 22nd century when humans are colonizing Pandora, a lush, habitable moon of a gas giant in the Alpha Centauri star system, in order to mine the valuable mineral unobtainium. <laughs> I hate that name. The expanse. And it's on a gas giant, you said? Well, a habitable moon that is orbiting a gas giant. The expansion of the mining colony threatens the (laughs) continued existence of the local tribe of Navi, a humanoid species indigenous to Pandora. The film's title refers to genetically engineered Navi uh, Navi body operated from the brain of a remotely located human that is used to interact with the natives of Pandora. Fucking everybody got all that? That's a stupid movie. It's a stupid, stupid movie. I saw it at when it was already out of the theater. So I didn't see it in the like the fucking stunning oh, 3D. I, I did. Was the 3D part good? Did that blow your hair back? I just don't get impressed with movies like that. Like I, I need the movie to be good for me to enjoy it. And listen, the short version of the main reason I hate the movie is because it is the equivalent of humans visiting a monkey tribe and a human falling in love with the monkey. I mean, it's a different species. 
But he wasn't a different species when he was interacting with her. He was in the same body that she had. And I'll bet he was in her body. Avatar is the second highest grossing movie of all time when adjusted for inflation after Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Avatar was nominated for nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director. It won three for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Visual Effects. The success of the film also led to electronics manufacturers releasing 3D televisions and also caused 3D films to increase in popularity. My parents had one of those 3D televisions, and I think we put on the glasses that came with it and watched something in 3D like one time, like halfway through, and then we're like, fuck, this is a pain in the balls. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that annoys the fuck out of me with Avatar is like, I don't know, months after it came out, again, this is December 2009, months later they announced, okay, we just signed four sequels. Well, guess what, everyone? It's now been 12 years and there's still not the first sequel yet. Well, that's the last note here, fucking wise ass. Avatar 2 and Avatar 3 have completed principal filming and are scheduled to be released on December 16th, 2022 and December 20th, 2024, respectively. Subsequent sequels are scheduled to be released December 2026 and December 2028. Jesus Christ. Will James Cameron even live that long? Someone needs to tell James Cameron, like, I realize you made a shitload of money off of these. Do not bank on that shit for Avatar 2 or 3 or 4 or 5. Yeah, and plus, I'd much rather James Cameron use his talents to do something good and, and like, different. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, give me your box office predictions for Avatar 2. I cannot imagine that it makes more than, like, 500 million. Well, I don't know. Worldwide. It'll make more than that. I was going to say worldwide, like, people go see any old stupid shit worldwide. So, uh, I don't know. I guess it makes 800 million, but. Yeah, which I think would, would be considered a success in any other movie. Right. However, because the first movie made so much, it would be considered a disappointment. Nobody asked for even one more Avatar. What is it about Avatar that made it the most successful movie of all time? It wasn't even a franchise. I think it was that, like, it was maybe a big step forward in different types of technology. And I think the type of 3D technology that they used with it was, like, new and impressive. I don't know. So that's part of the, probably part of the reason people wanted to like, oh, let's go see what this new crazy 3D stuff is all about. And then they, you know, slowly realize, oh, after a while, I forget that I'm watching a 3D movie. I don't notice the 3D part. Or if I do, it gives me a headache or makes me feel nauseated. I saw Saw 3D in theaters and that was fun. I'd see that again before I see Avatar. Worst movies to watch in 3D are ones that were not originally meant to be 3D and they just toss some 3D shit together. Like what? Do you have an example? I saw, oh, they re-released Star Wars the uh, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace in 3D, and I fell asleep. Nothing like uh, listening to senators talk about trade disputes in three <laughs> dimensions. I thought, I thought that was Episode 2. <laughs> no, they do it a bunch. <laughs> trade disputes in 3D. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you another guess here. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there any super? Is, so I just have nine and ten. Are either of them superhero movies? No. Both of the remaining movies are actually sequels in a franchise. 
The same franchise? Every single movie in the highest grossing top 10 is part of a franchise. Yeah, although Avatar wasn't when it came out. Right, now, yeah, now it is. Or will be. 9 and 10. Fast and the Furious? No. Something? No, one of these franchises we've already discussed. It's another movie in that franchise. Oh. Okay, well, there's no more. It's Lord of the Rings, uh, the twin or the two towers. Right, it's the two towers. I guess the first one made the least, and then as like claim mm-hmm. and buzz grew, the the later ones did better. So yeah, Lord of the Rings, the two towers, uh, is number nine. It grossed nine hundred twenty-five million dollars when it was released in two thousand two. Now, when these movies came out, I didn't see I didn't see the uh, Fellowship the Ring when it came out, but I remember I came home from college, like for, from like winter break. And my brother told me, he was like, Hey, uh, do you want to go see the two towers? I was like, I didn't even see the first one. He's like, well, I got it on DVD. You should watch it. And after I watched it, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. And then we went like that night cause it had come out. Uh, and I watched the, the two towers. Uh, and I like them. I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them all the way through once. I don't think I've ever watched, sat down and watched another Lord of the Ring movie from beginning to end because there's just about so the Hobbit? goddamn long. I never saw the Hobbit movies. I've seen the cartoon Hobbit from the 70s like 50 times. I, saw, I did not see the cartoon. I did see the first The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Not just, as good, I can't, right? get, I can't get into these movies. Yeah. yeah, I just can't. The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, this is the one where Gimli the Dwarf during the Battle of Helm's Deep this battle, this like giant raging battle with all the, those gross like Urukai kind of monster dudes. Uh, Gimli the dwarf turns to Legolas and says, toss me. <laughs> he means like toss me off this cliff no, or what? No, toss me like toss a dwarf. Like, you know, like a dwarf wouldn't want to be tossed. Dwarf tossing. But he knew like it was the right strategic move and he got tossed into a bunch of bad dudes. and But... The guy that threw him misunderstood because what he was really saying is, I know I'm about to die, so please toss my salad. I have to have it tossed just once. <laughs> and then he gets picked up and thrown. Those, and he's like, it's not what I meant. All those Irukai just stop right in the middle of all their slashing and hacking and just like, what the fuck is going on? See, that probably would have worked. <laughs> that uh, elf is up to his cheeks and that dwarf's big red hairy ass. See, this is why you and I should be writing these movies. Because I can make a much better Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, and it wouldn't be nine hours long either. It came out in 2002 as an epic fantasy adventure film, again directed by Peter Jackson, based on the second volume of Lord of the Rings. Continues the plot from The Fellowship of the Ring and intercuts between three storylines. On one hand, you got Frodo and Sam continuing their journey towards Mordor to destroy the One Ring, and they meet and join up with Gollum, the ring's former owner. Yeah. Then you got Aragorn, played by Viggo Mortensen, the only like normal human in the whole deal. Aragorn, Legolas, also played by Orlando Bloom. Oh, yeah. And Gimli, uh, they come to the war-torn nation of Rohan and get reunited with the resurrected Gandalf uh, before they fight against the legions of the treacherous wizard Saruman at the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then the other two hobbits, Merry and Pippin, they escape capture and meet Treebeard the Ent and help plan an attack on Isengard, the fortress of Saruman. Nerd alert. Yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis. I think Andy Serkis is probably the best thing about 
is one of the best things about the Lord of the Rings movies. I've been to this, this is like where he blew up. Uh, Andy Serkis played Gollum, providing his voice and his movements on set, as well as performing within motion captions with a motion capture suit later on. His scenes were filmed twice, once with and once without him. And originally, Gollum was set to be solely a CGI character, but Jackson was so impressed by Andy Serkis's audition tape that he used him on set as well. Yeah. And he's done a bunch of shit since then. Like he was the Caesar in Planet of the Apes and... Yeah, more motion capture stuff. stuff. His next role that I'm aware of, he is going to play um, Alfred in the new Batman movie next year. Oh, okay. Andy Serkis is Alfred and Robert Pattinson is Bruce Wayne. Well, I would take that over more Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I'm (laughs) Michael Caine out. With an asshole the size of a tangerine. (laughs) <laughs> it's not bad someone told me if you want to pronounce michael kane's name in michael kane's accent you just say the words my cocaine like the cocaine that you own michael kane that's it that's how you say michael that's my name is michael kane so back to <laughs> okay. the two towers yeah john rice davies he is a british actor who played gimli the dwarf John Rhys Davies uh, as Gimli, he had lost the tip of his middle finger in a farm accident when he was young. He used a special prosthetic fingertip during the movie that were made from a cast of his other middle finger on his right hand. During the shooting, he decided to pull a prank on director Peter Jackson. He cut the tip off his prosthetic finger and he filled it with fake blood. And then he went up to Jackson and said, boss, I had an accident. (laughs) Which has got to be a fucking (laughs) terrible... Like, a terrible thing to hear on any movie set is, I had an accident, but especially when it's, like, one of your main actors. Yeah, if it, if it was real, you could work around that, though. It's I mean, not like his head got cut off. I don't think they had to go through the, all the trouble of giving him the tip of his finger. It would have been completely in character if Gimli, a fucking battle axe swinging dwarf, was missing the tip of his left middle finger. He may have lost the tip of that prosthetic finger in the salad that was being tossed as well. He lost the tip of that finger in Legolas's butt. <laughs> so you got one left. Number 10. And as I mentioned, it is the sequel in um, a franchise. A franchise we've talked about or no? No, not, no. This is one. No other movies in this franchise uh, crack the top 10. But I believe all the movies in this franchise or series did come out in the 2000s animated it is toy story no toy story came out in the 90s and it's not a toy story well, movie. the sequels came out no okay. it's not a, uh, not a toy story although that would have been a good guess well you wouldn't know it based on your fucking reaction well you just said toy story which came out like 97 or 96 95 no oh. okay so it's a animated is it disney no Oh, okay. So Shrek. Yeah, it's Shrek 2. I knew it. I don't think I saw this uh, fucking Shrek 2. Shrek 2's number 10 uh, earned a measly $919 million the year it came out in 2004. It's an American computer animated comedy film loosely based on the 1990 picture book Shrek by William Steig, and it is a sequel to 2001 Shrek. Stars Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz, who reprise their respective voice roles of Shrek, Donkey, and Fiona. Mm-hmm. In this one, Shrek and Donkey are meeting Fiona's parents and her fairy godmother and a bunch of other dumbass shit. <laughs> okay. So this is all dumbass shit, but fucking 
Nuju and Gentry and... Oh, listen to this. The, the land of Chuka and... and uh, another plot rings. point is that Shrek and Donkey team up with a swashbuckling cat named Puss in Boots yeah. to foil her plan. So now you have an even further example of what it means to swashbuckle. Well, I'm going to run that poll and you're going to find that the general public doesn't know that phrase. They absolutely fucking do. No. And we've talked about Shrek in past episodes. I believe it was our highest grossing animated films episode. And you, I mean, I think we can tell from today too, but you're not a Shrek fan. I just don't, I mean, I don't it's enjoy it. you're an asshole. No, I just, they're not for me. <laughs> they're, they don't hit, they don't hit that button for me. Of all the movies we've covered today, Shrek 2 is my second favorite. Oh, really? But I haven't seen all of them either. So, of the ones I've seen, Shrek 2 is my second favorite. Shrek 2 will uh, hopefully forever be a, a blank spot in my memory. <laughs> okay. In 2001, soon after the original Shrek proved to be a hit, Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz negotiated an upfront payment of $10 million each for voicing God. a sequel. That pay increase represented a significant rise from the $350,000 salary they each were paid for the first film. Man. It's like they didn't need the money at this point because they're all like, at the time, A-list celebrities. They're going to get it. Going from $350,000 to $10 million from one movie to the next would be life-changing to anyone else. But According to Jeffrey Katzenberg, the executive producer of Shrek 2, co-founder of DreamWorks, he led the negotiations. The payments were probably the highest in the actor's entire careers, which I do believe. You think about Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron no, Diaz. Not Eddie at that point. Yeah, probably the highest payout that they've made in their career. Uh, each of the actors were expected to work between 15 and 18 hours in total. That's it? Mm hmm. God damn. You could do what it a in gig. Like two or three days. The pro film is produced with a $70 million budget. And so, if that budget includes their salaries, then 30 of the 70 million just went to the paying for the three voice actors who did uh, a total of like 54 what, hours. 45 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, good for them, I guess. I guess that doesn't include all the international promotion. I bet, you know, I bet they earned maybe not $10 million, but they definitely earned some of that money uh, with all the promotion and press junkets and shit like that they had to do to promote it but yeah when you sign on to star in a movie it's not just the filming part that you're no it's weird like you'll film it yeah film it this year in 2021 and then it's in like say we finished filming today wrap up post-production probably by like the end of this year but then depending on when the studio wants to release it it could be another year a year and a half and you're like totally moved on to something else not even thinking about mm -hmm. it anymore and now you've got to like drum up all this energy to get pumped about Shrek 2. Not that hard. It's easy to get excited about Shrek 2. Antonio Banderas is the proud owner of several cats. Okay. And he studied them scrupulously for his <laughs> okay. interpretation of Puss in Boots. All you got to do is just have like the world's most basic knowledge about cats in order to, in order to voice that like, character. Uh, yeah, you don't need to know much about cats, but... And you don't need to know anything, in fact, because the script is all written for you. I like the fact and that you're not on camera. spent some time at home, like, just watching his cats and taking notes. Oh, yes. He sits <laughs> in the window. <laughs> oh, you licked your butthole. Mm -hmm. I wonder how I could incorporate this. A taste for ass? Here, let me try. 
he tries to lick his own asshole, can't reach, so then he settles on licking the cat's asshole. I cannot do my voice work today. I've hurt my neck. <laughs> Doing research. Whoa, Nessie. As in the Loch Ness Monster. I talked about her ass with the Pineapple Pizza podcast on their September 26th, 2021 episode. Me and the hosts did a deep dive on the Loch Ness Monster, the lore, the history, and the famous surgeon's photograph, that famous photo of Nessie that we've all seen. It was really fun. I hope you'll check it out if you're into cryptids. It's the September 26th episode of Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Thank you. Now let's get back to the show. So there you go. You did pretty good considering you're coming in cold. Very good. Now I'll run through this top 10 again. These are the highest grossing films of the 2000s, of the aughts. Yep. Number 10 was Shrek 2. Number 9, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Number 8, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Number 7, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. 6, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. 5, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Number 4, The Dark Knight. Number 3, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Number 2, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And number 1, as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, Abadah. And I think you mispronounced number five. It's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I kind of like Philosopher's Stone. Oh, I do too. I do too. I'm fully kidding. And especially because Sorcerer is confusing because there's no Sorcerers or Sorcery. It's Wizards and Magic. But I, they obviously realize like American audiences cannot fucking handle this word that they don't quite understand. They're going to see no. Philosopher and be like, boring. <laughs> Then they see Sorcerer and they're like, ooh, dark magic? <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's exactly how it went. And then meanwhile, Americans expect every other culture to just embrace our words and yeah. phrases and titles. Well, of these movies, I'm going to say my top three personal favorites are num and a distant runaway number one is The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. My second is Shrek 2. And my third is, I don't know, maybe Dead Man's Chest. Mine would be The Dark Knight and then The Half-Blood Prince and then probably uh, The Two Towers, maybe. Yeah. I say that, I haven't seen it in almost 20 years and all I remember was, well, God yeah. damn, this is fucking long, but I like it. Other than Dark Knight, I, I haven't seen any of these more than once and some of, them, some of them I haven't seen at all. Like, I don't think I saw World's End. I don't think I saw Lord of the Rings 3. I unfortunately sat through all 28 hours of Avatar, but anyway. So yeah, I nailed the list pretty good. That's great. You could say you nailed it, sure. I definitely know that our listeners nailed their podcast reviews. Let me read a few real quick. First one comes from Miss Mulligan on Apple Podcast. Here's what it says. There is a list for just about everybody. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Thank That's you. That's it. And the great thing about that review is it doesn't even have to be talking about our show. She could just be making a general statement. Mm -mm, there, there is, is a list, list for everybody. Just, they're out there. Go get one. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Mulligan. The next one. Okay, I'm going to try to read this username. One mm -hmm. Okay. It's the numeral one, D-H-S-G-V-X-B-Z-J-A, comma A. Anyway, their review says, I just found out about it and have been binging it so far. Okay. <laughs> <I don't> so, <laughs> again, not like, not really an endorsement and not... A slam, just a note just about statements. that person's listening habits. I loved the simple and straightforward and innocent nature of these reviews today. So. I guess binging something normally implies that you're enjoying it. Yeah. No, I think 
I mean, they left five-star reviews, so I'm going to assume they were talking about our show, but we can't, we can't promise that. You leave, they could have just stumbled onto our review page. You're supposed to leave a star for every time you get mad or confused. Hmm. Okay. Well, we got a lot of mad and confused listeners then. No matter how long or simple your review is, if you go rate us five stars and write a review, I will read it on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Brandon, this has been a hell of a time. It's episode 148 we just did, which means next week is episode 149, which drops, let me consult the calendar, drops October 6th, which means we will be firmly in Spooktober. So all of our episodes in October will be spooky themed. So I'll be ready. Are you ready? Very ready. A lot to look forward to coming up. We appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.